Mayo had advanced complex regional pain syndrome. And we know what the best therapy is for it. It's called ketamine. We're just blessed that we finally seen something working. But Maya relapsed. Beata's explaining to the emergency room, this is what needs to be done. You don't understand how much medication it takes to control her pain. But they didn't listen. They accused Beata of medical child abuse. And that's when they told me I had to leave, that my daughter is under state custody. So many questions! Chief among which is, what is this show? Why, welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. Me? I'm Tom Merritt. Who are you? Hey, man. I'm just a simple country lawyer who loves horse tranquilizers <laughs> and giving them to children as part of a strange movement that I don't understand over the last 10 years. I love the light the light TV shows that Bryce chooses to tease us with. <laughs> so that was a trailer. <laughs> that was a trailer for Netflix's Take Care of Maya, which takes a look at the story of the Kowalskis uh, who lost custody of their child Maya in 2016 while they were looking for medical help. Uh, it's a a pretty sad story about the systemic problems when you're there's where you're trying to root out child abuse but then also sometimes a child uh does have a disease that gives them bruises and they need ketamine to solve it sometimes that is just reality um uh that's coming to netflix uh, uh sometime soon uh, i forgot the date on that i think that's in july hey man Thank you. i just wish meryl <laughs> Barr was here Oh, seriously, please, Meryl. Guys, guys, guys. Oh, I'm here. he's here. <laughs> I'm so, thank you for teasing me up with something light and fluffy and totally up my alley. What? Yeah. That's what? We wanted there to be no issue with you appearing lighter than the material before you. So, yeah. No, I mean, I, I every say, so often all of us want to cosplay as Secretariat. And, let me... Let me let me just say before we get rolling. She wasn't here, getting uh, high. She wasn't getting wicked high. <laughs> no, I know, I know. It's it it, it is a strange moment. Uh, we could talk about it in after talk. It's time for the primary target. Comcast-owned NBC Universal is launching 30 new fast channels, fast meaning free ad-supported uh, television on Comcast-owned Zumo Play and Amazon's Freevee. Among the channels are a Saturday Night Live channel. Just shows you old episodes of SNL. The Real Housewives. Top Chef. You can just watch a bunch of Top Chef. Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Little House on the Prairie. Those are two different shows. Murder, She Wrote. Saved by the Well. Uh, some Spanish language channels like Historias de Amor, Lo Mejor de Telemundo, Telemundo al Día. There are some genre-based channels, including a monster movie channel. Remember when Comcast or Universal was trying to make all the monster movies? They have that IP. Why not make a Fast channel? Uh, Brian, Fast keeps expanding. Where will it end? Uh, number one, I'm actually very, very happy to see Fast expanding, and and I'm going to lean... Uh, I will defer to the advice of Meryl Barr, who's more familiar with this. I do have some branding thoughts about where this, where the terminus of this journey ends up being. Uh, is this good news or bad news, Meryl? Okay. I, I'm up two minds on this particular story because I've been thinking about this since last week when it was announced. 
um, on the pro side, this is how you get money, new money into the company. So on that front, fantastic. We're utilizing the library. We're getting it on to other pl third-party platforms to get new money in. That said, if this, like this to me screams, we completely dropped the ball with Peacock's ad tier, and now we have to go outside of Peacock because we dropped the ball on Peacock. And that bums me out because as you all know, as because I, I was on the show when they announced the whole rollout for Peacock, I was very pro-cock. And I, I really thought that there was a lot of potential in the ad free, in the ad supported tier to have people come in and watch for free, but they did not do a good job. I will be the first to say they have not done a good job of exploiting what that could be. And now to see them decide to take the NBCU library outside of Peacock says to me, it's a, it's a bit of a white flag of defeat to me. I don't see those two as connected. So connect the dots to me because if Peacock was doing the best it could possibly do, I still see them making this move. This is a smart move to say, let's take library stuff that people aren't coming to Peacock for old little house on the prairie episodes. They might watch them while they're there, but that's not the reason they're coming. Let's take that stuff and monetize it. Like how, how is that significant? signifying that peacock is doing well because i don't feel like the two are the, connected to me that to me the number one signifier is letting snl go third party and not keeping snl as the exclusive uh thing you want you can watch all the snl you want for free you gotta do it on peacock the fact that snl is the top listed program of this release says a lot to me about let's just take the library out again business sense the business part of me is like yes Oh, you got to go third party to get new money in a hundred percent. But it just says to me that also they're not doing the numbers they want to do on Peacock. So they're going to go to a more watch platform like Freebie or eventually I assume like Roku, like Tubi that get those numbers that they need to see. And that's how they'll generate the income they wanted in the first place. If, if, if I may, Tom, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm very much on, uh, Merrill's side for the general uh, idea of this, because um, in 1986 or whatever, when there was only three major networks and PBS, uh, it, your network could be successful based on what you had. But nowadays, everybody can have everything in theory. So now you look for words like exclusive and original and only on um, and if everything is available on everything always, then everything becomes, you know, that, that gray goo, that heat death of the universe, uh, which is fine for consumers. We can always find whatever it is we want. But if you are specifically NBC Universal, it makes it very hard to explain why your brand is valuable if everybody can get everything everywhere, anywhere. But it's everything not everywhere all at once. Yeah, it's not even that movie. Uh, it is old <laughs> back catalog stuff, right? They're not putting Poker Face on Amazon Freebie. They're hmm. they're not putting Bel Air on Amazon Freebie. Those are the things that Peacock has been saying come to Peacock for. They're not putting the Olympics on Amazon Freebie. They're not putting Sunday Baseball on Amazon. Those are the things that NBC has been saying come to Peacock. We've got that. They're putting stuff 
like Saturday Night Live, like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which I get, I, that's a fair point, Meryl's to say. Saturday Night Live seems really valuable. It does catch the eye to be like, oh, you're letting that one out of the gate. But maybe we're wrong. Maybe locking Saturday Night Live up in Peacock, NBC found out, oh, wait, people only say they're interested in watching old episodes of Saturday Night Live. They never actually watch them. Uh, let's monetize that by putting it out on a channel. And more people might then want to watch the current Saturday Night Live, which they then have to come to Peacock to watch. Also, I mean, I would also add, it's like when Peacock launched, they launched by going out of their way to say, we have all the NBCU library. We have the, you know, the office, we have the office, we have Parks and Rec. So it's not like they didn't do a lean in on their exclusivity of library titles from the NBCU library. So again, and, and look, the stuff that's, that's here, it's, it's not break the bank stuff outside of our USNL, but, you know, Real Housewives, Top Chef, that stuff that, there's a lot of fast type programming for already. Everyone's going to do this. Uh, Disney's going to do this. Warner Brothers is doing it. This is the next step, right? Everyone tried to make their own little houses of their own little libraries on fast. It didn't really take off individually. So now everyone's going to go back to essentially the basic cable model, but in a different slightly tweaked form, which is no one, you don't have to pay a subscription for it. But, but uh, it's just a bummer that like I liked the potential of a particular brand, and this is pretty much the the final nail of nope that didn't work. I like and I I, I don't know if I 100% agree with your prediction of the outcome, but I do absolutely share your fear. My fear is okay. So NBC Universal makes 50 you know 30 fast stations. Uh, then everybody else does the same thing. And then all of a sudden, what does a channel even mean anymore? It's just like a, yeah. it, it might as well be a tag on a, a video. What does that mean for, it's going to, it starts to wonder like, what does that mean for if every, like if Roku's going to have this and fat and Tubi's going to have this and freebie's going to have this, like again, Brian, what differentiates anything? Like back in the day, what differentiated the cable companies was you were stuck regionally to whatever cable provider serviced your region but here it's you know what why would i choose you know why am i going to choose freebie over roku if both of them have this channel i think what's happening is we're seeing a, a draw we're seeing a line being driven or drawn and that line is not the same line that the companies thought it was when they first launched these series so when you say well they they used to promote it this way that's learning, right? They're starting to learn what's valuable and what's not. Nobody knew how this stuff was going to work. I think the fast channel access is akin to syndication. Nobody got upset uh, when NBC syndicated the original Star Trek out to, or, and maybe it was CBS syndicating it, but, but nobody got upset because they had other things to drive you to primetime. It was old episodes. That's what we're talking about here. They're not putting originals. They're not putting new stuff. And I think what we're seeing is the line being drawn of, hey, the way you get somebody to Disney Plus is you talk about the new Marvel show. The way you get somebody to Max is brand new episodes of Discovery Science, a Shark Week, HBO Originals, etc. All this other stuff that they tried using as a promotion, we've got the back catalog, didn't move the needle. Monetize that with the fast services. Now, 
the question you brought up is still, is still a really good one to me, which is, and so how do the fast services differentiate themselves? You've got this big catalog that doesn't need to be exclusive and everybody can, can monetize it. How does a fast service differentiate itself? Because I think you're going to continue to see Peacock say, come to us, we've got the Tour de France. Fast channels are going to be for people who are like, yeah, I only want to pay for one or two of those services and I'll just watch fast to entertain myself. How does a Pluto or a Zumo or a Roku or a Freebie or a Tubi differentiate itself in that world if the supply is open uh, and, and, and we know that restricting the supply doesn't really work? If I could offer one Galaxy Brain scenario I think Brian might be interested in. I would love to see this turn into you mentioned syndication i would love to see someone use this as an opportunity to bring back the conceit of first run syndicated shows and i'm thinking like baywatch hercules xena this era of you know the the selling being selling directly to these sell having a fast channel right and selling that fast channel to every fast provider Ooh, and, uh -huh. and and you and you create new shows right for those fast channels and the mm. but the shows themselves are not exclusive right i kind of would love to see that well and, and at this point we're back to the world of exclusives and premieres and only on blanks and and I, I I do think that's where the value is going to be. Uh, I, well, that's the value for the for the for the provider. I'm talking about the and, value and for, the for whatever the product is 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 to be exclusive because otherwise, if it's everywhere, it's nowhere. Yeah, I think table stakes for a fast channel are becoming the back catalog, right? The Little House on the Prairie channel, the SNL channel, the Murder She Wrote channel. Everybody's got it, uh, and. If it doesn't have the one you like, you're not going to use choose that one. So it's in everybody's interest to have all of those. And then, yeah, maybe there's a, a straight to syndication. Maybe Roku's got the right idea. Or maybe there's talk shows. Maybe it's on interface. Maybe it's the one that's the easiest to use and the easiest to find your stuff. Uh, I, I think that's where this gets interesting is, okay, the back catalog is not as valuable as a lot of people thought it was. Everybody's going to have access to back catalogs. What are the things that you can get? And I think we're starting to see the beginnings of that with Warner Brothers licensing out some complete HBO series to other net platforms. I think you might start to see first run syndication like you're talking about, Merrill, where, you know, Poker Face finishes its run in the future and goes to Freebie. Uh, yes. for, for its first that, run that, before it enters that, into yeah, the that, catalog. That's definitely going to be, I, I forgot about that, but you're correct. That is a hundred percent going to be like, Oh, like, you know, like I think I'm thinking about the old days of like the network television premiere of such and such movie. Right. Like I'm thinking about like mm -hmm. the beginnings the fast of premiere of a movie, the right. fast premiere of a TV series. Right. Yeah. The yes, Zoom like premiere. the, yeah. Tom. Yes, Brian. I was going through the storage shed, saw all of these mm. old episodes. How 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 many of these episodes have we done? Oh my gosh, that's some like four hundred and sixty-two just of cord killers alone. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't remember anything before cord killers, but I was thinking like, oh man, what if I went back and watched the first episode? But then I was looking at the storage shed, and it was filled up with all these old episodes. I don't know. Part of me just wants to. Just, just chuck them all out. Just chuck them all out. Put them behind a paywall somewhere. At least then anybody, you know, you, you could pay to access them or whatever. 
Well, they, you're saying put them in a, in their own climate controlled storage where they won't degrade. Yeah, but, but mo to, most to pay for that, if somebody wants to see it, they're going to have to pay to open the door. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, personally, like, I hope nobody is ever able to see any of them. But if they wanted to, they'd have to pay, mm. I don't know, $100 per episode. But wow. then I had this idea, like, what if people were supporting us on an ongoing basis so we could stay uh, loud, live, and independent, and then we could just, you know, huh. have everything continuing to be free, and people could throw back in our faces things that we said seven, eight years ago. So so leaving it outside in, in the elements, uh, but knowing that there are people who are saying, you know what, it's important that you leave them outside so anyone can find them and we'll, we'll give value for the value we get from that access. Yes. And, and, hmm. and so what I did was I prayed to the God of the internet and I yeah. rolled a D20 and you know what I came up with? Seven. 21. Oh, seven. Seven. That's, that makes more sense. That's all we need is seven new patrons over wow. at patreon.com slash cord killers it turns out that's the magic number if we hit it great just a buck an episode huh. that's all we ask then we can keep everything loud live and independent and we can keep it all where everybody can see it but if just we fail then i suggest we remove the entire back catalog including this episode wow wow I don't know if we can get seven new patrons in a week, Brian. That seems like a tall order. Uh, that's as many members as there are in BTS. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe I, sh I should have been chasing the whale. I should have been calling their manager and say how Bonk much PD. we know they love our stuff. That's what I should have been doing. But absent that, maybe there's a lot of people who have been listening for a very long time and they think to themselves, you know what, a dollar, a dollar an episode, that's not so much. I could press a button on a website and then I'll get exclusive access to my own RSS feed, exclusive access to the After Talk segment. And no open bio. You can't unsubscribe and resubscribe. We need seven new people. Yeah. Or it's BTS. Gonna... I mean, it's a or simple binary. Either seven new subscribers yep. or BTS. Yeah. Yeah. It's one or the other. Which one will it be? Patreon.com slash cord killers. Let's talk about how to watch. Oh, we know sports is essential to the future of how this entire business is going to work. Even if you're not into sports, it's going to be essential to the economics and the landscape. Uh, so it's significant to note that about 20 ESPN on-air talent were laid off this weekend uh, as we continue to see the biggest of the beneficiaries of the old cable model adapt to the new reality. Uh, there's not a, a 90 million people subsidizing ESPN anymore. ESPN's probably going to be fine. Uh, Disney will probably be able to make the transition in a way that keeps making them money off of ESPN. But if you wanted to come for the king uh, right now, might be a good time while it's a little weaker than it's been. Uh, while Netflix dithers about getting into sports, Roku is racing into the live sports field. Roku has a multi-year deal to stream Formula E, which is essentially, and I'm going to oversimplify an apology to race fans in advance, but it's essentially Formula One, but for electric vehicles. Uh, Roku gets 11 Formula E races per season in the U.S. starting in 2024. CBS has the other five races, and we'll show them on CBS Sports and Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Bryce, I know you follow racing, so let, let's let's toss it to you first. Is this 
important or is this just kind of table scraps that Roku was able to sweep up? This is especially big for Formula E. Uh, by only having this limited deal with CBS in the past, if a race was happening in America, there was a good chance you were just not allowed to see it. You could not watch oh, wow. it live. You couldn't. If C- maybe if CBS had it on a CBS Sports somewhere, you know, it it was that limited. So with this, all of the all of the rounds of of the the season will presumably be available either through Roku in this new big deal or on CBS Paramount Plus streaming. Um, that that is is pretty big. I think. I think. Formula E especially missed out on on a lot of the Formula One heat over the past few years by not having these be available. Um, And so if, I don't know, you you get a lot of people saying like, well, why didn't they do just Formula One with electric vehicles? And that's a sign that nobody knows Formula E even exists. Um, and, And there are reasons that they can't do electric vehicles in other series and all sorts of things. But and, uh, this is a big to, deal, uh, I think. To be clear, Formula E is in no way affiliated with Formula One. It, it's, Correct. it's a completely independent thing. It's its own thing. They do. Ha- they are still they still have the same uh, uh, official uh, body, the, the motorsport body that like referees and all that stuff. But yeah, otherwise it is in it's totally separate, um, which might be why there's some uh, distance between from ESPN and Netflix here. They're courting Formula One so heavy for these live race rights. And, and we've talked about Netflix trying to buy a league, buy a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can imagine it will make negotiating difficult with Formula One if you're also toying around with Formula E. Um, I can imagine saying like, ah, uh, well, if you really want us, then you'll focus on us and not those other guys. There's the Formula E. Mwah. You know, and I imagine Formula E much more affordable than Formula One. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. Yeah. Has Formula One ever gotten like upset that these guys exist? Like, has that ever been a thing or they're just kind of like, yo, you're just there? No. In fact, uh, 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 the short version is uh, only Formula E is allowed to be the only FIA mandated fully electric racing series for like another decade. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, for Formula E, it has its place kind of carved out for the next many years, at least. And so now they have a TV deal, which is good. I I don't want to go too far in the weeds, but I am deeply curious. So uh, when when somebody makes a pit stop in Formula E, do they actually hot swap the batteries? That's funny. They used to. They used to change whole cars. In the first season, you'd have to get out and run to the other side of the garage and get into another car. Um, I think think, uh, they do pit stops for like wheels and things, but I don't think that they do any sort of refueling or or battery swapping in their new generation of cars. (laughs) That's way better than my idea, which would have been everybody just has to stop and charge in the pit. Yeah, or, or, or they just, have the, uh, the, the, the Qi wireless charging the, on the yeah. entire track. <laughs> That's right. actually not bad. That. I love that. It's right. bumper car please, technology. Tell me that, please tell me that somewhere on YouTube there is a mashup of dudes running to their second cars to yakety sacks. Uh, certainly the law of large data, certainly. It <laughs> if you can imagine it, eventually it is everything is yakety sack. So, right. so on yeah. the ESPN side of things, that's something that we talked about a few weeks ago. Like the fact that ESPN finally had run out the, the clock on, on its long-term contracts where it was supported, you know, with carriage fees on, uh, cable stuff. And then finally they were able to get, as we predicted, it's like, uh, look, man, they don't love cable. They love money. And they, if they could, they would immediately start collecting money immediately. Now that's happening. 
And along with that, we are seeing the results of that, which is cost cuttings uh, and, and the, uh, well, uh, the fixed. Let, 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 me, let me just stop you right there. The story we had a while ago is that ESPN is planning for a future in which they will be able to sell their main product directly to consumers. Uh, we're not there yet, though. And I thought that story was a little overhyped because I'm like, well, of course they've been planning it. They've been planning that for a long time. Uh, I think the Wall Street Journal sources were just saying, I th the the momentum is picking up. They're 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 spending a lot more time on it now than they were in the past, and that's probably significant. But this is probably more significant to your point, Brian, of them going, okay. Now, in a world where we don't have to fill time in a schedule, where we can just sell directly like we do with ESPN Plus, but for everything, what programs do we really need? And will we really need to pay all the talent that hosts these programs that are filler in between stuff? And uh, uh, this is the part where uh, sports fans, please write us, cordkillers at gmail.com. But as I understand it, uh, there are fixed costs. For example, uh, you're probably not going to get the NFL, NBA, et cetera, to reduce the amount they're charging for you to carry their games. But you can have a soft negotiation with all of your pundits and say, boy, hasn't it been a great run? You know, it makes a lot of money, people with the... Uh, one of them sub stacks and maybe have a podcast or do whatever. And you could keep on doing that stuff. Uh, I, 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 also, you appeal to an older demo that is not paying for ESPN in the future. Uh, we need people who appeal to a younger demo who will pay directly for digital ESPN. So goodbye to you. It's been great. Enjoy your sub stack. Also, I'm hiring this person from TikTok to host a show on ESPN in the future, get ready. Uh, which is literally happening in a few cases. Get ready for Mr. Beast's Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Open Bayou points out Pat McAfee moving from YouTube to ESPN. So uh, this is also a changing of the guard as, as much as it is uh, cost savings. It's cost savings because you pay those, those newer people less than you have to pay these legacy contracts who've, who've been around for a long time. But it's not entirely about that. Yeah, and uh, luckily uh, for the old guard, I mean, there are established ways to make money in a post being on the TV environment. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to what to watch in Under Surveillance. And we start with Ayaz Akhtar updating us on what's coming to streaming in July. Ayaz? What's up, Cord Killers? Ayaz here. Let's take a look at what's new to streaming in July. Good news, everyone. Futurama Season 11 is coming to Hulu on July 24th. After a slight scare, original cast members Billy West, Kay Seagal, and John DiMaggio are back. Hulu ordered 20 episodes, by the way. If you thought there was no more new MCU stuff, boy, are you wrong. Marvel's Secret Invasion continues in the month of July with new episodes on Wednesdays over on Disney+. The Witcher Season 3 Volume 2 hits Netflix on July 27th. This is the final season with Henry Cavill. Next season, we'll have Liam Hemsworth in the lead role. Bird Box Barcelona is on Netflix starting on July 14th. This is a spin-off to the hit Bird Box. Here's hoping for more B-City-based Bird Boxes like Bird Box Baton Rouge, Bird Box Boston, and Bird Box Batman, which will take place in Turkey. That was easier written than said. They Cloned Tyrone is a new mystery-slash-comedy film on Netflix on the 21st. A series of eerie events thrusts an unlikely trio onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy. There are big names attached to this movie, including John Boyer, Kiefer Sutherland and Jamie Foxx. Want to know more? Watch this show, Cord Killers.
Thanks, Ayaz. All right, let's talk about some of those things that are coming. This one's not coming this month, but it's coming in November. Uh, Dune Part 2, the trailer is out. And Brian, you watched the trailer. How did it make you feel to see the Part 2 trailer of Dune? Okay, first of all, loved the book Dune. Loved the video game on CD-ROM in the 1990s mm-hmm. Dune. Mm-hmm. Loved the, 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 the Alan Smithy-directed uh, product in the early 80s. <laughs> David Lynch one, yeah. I yeah. love Dune, but I think I figured out that my favorite part of Dune is the Cold War between uh, the Atreides and the Harkonnens because I watched this trailer and I thought, oh, it's the boring part of Dune. <laughs> <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> I'm not going to say, you know what? Actually, I will. I, they, look, my nobody's wrong for their feelings. Those are just my feelings. What about you, Tom? Uh, well, I, uh, had different feelings and that doesn't make your feelings wrong, but, uh, my feelings were, oh, I can't wait. Uh, we, we finally get the end of this story, the invasion, the Fremen rebellion. He meets Shawnee, uh, people come back from, from the, the disaster. And I have a feeling that the trailer probably underplayed the amount of cagey, uh, Game of Thrones stuff that's going on because you still have, the Benny Gesserit, you still have the Harkonnens uh, and the Emperor and the Spice Navigators and, and all of that stuff in part two of the story. So I doubt they're going to cut that all out. Uh, they just maybe figured it didn't make as exciting of a trailer. Meryl, what about you? I'm going to abstain all opinion and just move on to the next story. <laughs> okay, Does so a you're, giant you're not- rail of spice. <laughs> so you're not into dude is what you're saying that's fine i know i i did not like the first i tried to avoid this conversation tom like i did not like i did not like the first movie i'm not into i realized i just it's not for me like that's fair that's totally fair you don't you don't need to you don't need to explain uh, if it's not your thing uh futurama is futurama your thing Oh, now Futurama is very much my thing. I am very excited. The trailer just gave me all the good feels. Let me just say this, though, because people sometimes forget. That first batch of episodes, not the direct-to-video movies, but the ones they did when Comedy Central officially picked them up for that first uh, that first revival, um, those are not awesome. So what I just want everyone to know is, like, if the if this comes back and it's not all the way there yet, Give it time because they've shown a track record for they come back. It's a little rocky and then they find they just start cooking with gas. Like and then some of the stuff on comics, the, some, some of the Comedy Central episodes are some of the best Futurama episodes ever. But it took them a little bit to get there. So just I'm asking everyone and show thank a patience, goodness but I'm, that Hulu has an established reputation for letting shows find their voices mm-hmm. and then finally going on to great success. Well, to be fair, they ordered 20 episodes and we're only going to see the first 10 of that order this year. So there's going to be so there is a two season ramp that they're guaranteed to get. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I but I am very excited. I'm glad to have the gang back i i frankly i've missed them in the rick and morty era and i'm glad to have the ogs back in the saddle i like the flavor of futurama it is uh it is it is like a, a cup of delicious the hot cider on a cold fall day uh mm-hmm. this trailer looked very comforting 
that may be a bad thing for some people who are like, yeah, I don't need to see the same old thing over again. Uh, but yeah, that's what no, I want Futurama, out of Futurama. And I, I assume they will also grow and challenge like you're talking about, especially as they get their momentum under them. So I'm I'm all in July 24th, Futurama returns. You heard Ayaz say that, but that's that's the uh, that's the date for the return of Futurama on Hulu. Uh, Deadline reports that James Gunn has cast Rachel Brosnahan as Lois Lane for the reboot of Superman Legacy. Uh, that's Ms. Maisel. If you ever watched Marvelous Ms. Maisel on Prime Video, uh, she will be Lois, and, or at least Deadline says she will. And Superman uh, will allegedly be played by Henry Cavill lookalike David Cornsweet. Uh, if you see a picture of David Cornsweet on uh, the Verge article, and think, oh, they put a picture of Henry Cavill instead, uh, you will be forgiven because uh, he really, really does look like him. Uh, this movie is set for release July 11th, 2025. We'll probably get some official word on this over the next six months or so. But that's that's the early word, Brian. I'm reluctant to even speculate. Um, on, on the one hand, we have a troubled franchise that has a lot of ups and downs. On the other hand, we have James Gunn, who, in my opinion, is quite, quite good and probably has plans that I cannot even conceive of unless I was high on spice. I am excited to see the rebuilding of the DC universe. I don't know much about David Corn Sweat either. Uh, I assume that he's going to be great because uh, James Gunn's good at pick an act, picking actors. Rachel Brosnan as Lois Lane seems like a stroke of genius. Uh, fast talking, uh, animated, fun to watch. Uh, her Maisel character uh, is is almost like a Lois Lane itself. So that that seems perfect to me. So I, I I don't know. I'm encouraged by this. It makes me wonder why not just cast Henry Cavill, but maybe he needs a younger looking Superman because uh, he is he is restarting the story. So that, that could that could be that would this. be my guess is that he's got some like a you know 15 year plan that yeah, yeah. doesn't involve uh, Henry Cavill, whose star is very very bright right now, so bright that he was willing to walk off from The Witcher. Yeah, right. Uh, the studio Titmouse, the folks who do Star Trek Lower Decks, are producing an animated series based on the game Among Us. No platform on board yet. So this could end up anywhere, but uh, they are making it and shopping it around. This is one of those, like, um, this is all about the writers because, like, the characters are nothing. They're they're colors. They're faceless colors. Uh, but... If, if you have the right writing team, if you have the right direction, if you have the right wonderful comedic lyrical pacing, it could become a thing. I do. I, I need to ask one thing. Like, I'm pretty sure Titmouse animates Lower Decks, but I'm pretty sure they aren't the producers of it. I'm pretty sure it's it's produced by a different a different production company that's under a deal with CBS. And Titmouse is who is loaned out to them to I think, produce. I think uh, Titmouse does... The new Beavis and Butthead, I believe. Yes, they no, are. I, they I, are I, an animation. I, you, no, I think that's a, that's right. I sh I did not use precise language. Uh, Tip Mouse okay. uh, are um, are animating a series. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but that's not to say that their work isn't great. Right. They do they do amazing work. That's why they get hired. Well, uh, uh, take that back. I said Tip Mouse, the folks who do Star Trek. Uh, I think I'm, I'm on on purpose to be vague. I'm trying to find out if it says they are producing. That's what well, I'm, that's what I'm asking about if they're if they're in-house producing it, this one. It, it does sound like they're definitely attached to it. Yes. So CBS Studios is making it in partnership with the game studio. 
okay. and Titmouse will serve as the animation studio. That's what I okay. Animation as 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 Brian will test. He and I have learned a lot about the world of animation the last few years, and uh, to say the least, like that I was very curious what where the lines were on that. But that said, I am very interested in this. I think that depend. It's, it, I agree, Brian. It comes down to the writers. It also is going to come down to the home it lands on. Uh, if it's being produced by CBS Studios, I, I think it's odds are it's going to end up on either Paramount, probably Paramount Plus, but you don't know. I mean, they might want a pairing with Lower Decks that can play when Lower Decks isn't on the air. Among Us is one of those few things that people look back fondly on when they think of pandemic memories. It's one of the few things that got people together and just they had a, such a fun time playing it amongst the sea of hell. So I'm, I want to see if they could capture that vibe in TV show format. We could yeah, also yeah. be seeing the start of, of uh, more independent games getting picked up in animation deals. Mm. I, I believe there's something for uh, the Hello Neighbor, Secret Neighbor game franchise that they're making. A, or maybe they already did come out with that cartoon. But I, I think we'll see more of that, of, of uh, uh, going towards the big indie hits, right? Like mm -hmm. we haven't seen a Fortnite a cartoon or a series yet, even though it's the biggest game in the world right now. Yeah, totally right. We don't see a Call of Duty or... one or Ro yeah, Roblox mm -hmm. when you totally could. Even Minecraft, they have spin-off games, but they don't have a show yet. They're working on that movie. That's not a show. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. You know, what would be amazing is, uh, uh, and if you know, you know, but what if there was a new animated series just called Frog Fractions? <laughs> I would be 100% in if you know, you know. Uh, I would like to reiterate too that CBS Studios is producing this, uh, and Merrill's right. That means that it's probably more likely it ends up on a CBS property, but that doesn't mean it will. That does that doesn't mean they've made the decision. CBS Studios makes shows for a lot of platforms, so it may yet end up somewhere else. I just know a lot of people are are going to be half listening and go like, "Oh, so it's on CBS." Uh, that that is not for sure. Go ahead. Yes, there is also a limited there is also a limited amount of buyers in animation like across the board. Uh so and only a handful of them uh take outside studio uh uh content. So, uh we'll see. It's either way, I want to see this show. Either way, you're not going to see Pat Sajak hosting Wheel of Fortune anymore cuz he's retiring. What? And Ryan Seacrest is going to take over starting in 2024. Uh, Seacrest just left Kelly, uh, Kelly Rippus, uh, live with Kelly and Ryan after six years. So he isn't continuing to add even more things inhumanly to his schedule. He had to finally let something go. Uh, somewhat unrelated, Wheel of Fortune's returning to ITV in the UK after a 22-year absence, uh, hosted by Graham Norton. So instead of uh, taking the Sajak one and just showing that in the UK, they will have a native uh, UK version hosted by the amazing uh, Graham Norton. Uh, but Brian, is there anything Ryan Seacrest can't do? I, or at least get hired to do? <laughs> I, I, I'm certain he is great at everything. The, the, this whole moment kind of is very reminiscent of uh, when Drew Carey came in as the new host of The Price is Right. And what it reminds me of is this kind of wonderful, strange new generation of Vegas residencies where it's like, yes, I'm great. I did that thing. 
you know what I'd love to do? See my kids every day, <laughs> go home, mm-hmm. sit in a hot tub or whatever. Uh, so I'll be curious to see whether or not, you know, Ryan keeps up other stuff, but uh, it seems like a good steward for the brand to me. I also is think it a retirement that... plan? It's it kind of is. I <laughs> mean, that's that's. I uh, I was being. I'm a little bit euphemistic with the uh, Vegas residency, but that's 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 where every variety entertainer really hopes they end up is with a good gig in Vegas where they can be in the same bed every night. I also think from the network perspective that they that Ryan was chosen specifically after watching the fallout from the Jeopardy situation and just being mm. like, let's not even screw around with with like going crazy with who we pick. Like, no, we're going to Seacrest. He is a reliable brand. We don't have to worry about backlash. It's just go with Seacrest. We're done. We're not playing this game like the way they did with Jeopardy. I'm pretty sure they're I'm pretty sure Wheel and Jeopardy are produced by the same Fremantle company, aren't they? I know that I know Wheel is produced by Fremantle, um, but I forget who produces Jeopardy. But either way, like I think Seacrest was in this very specific choice to avoid another round of just consistent online commentary of who's going to take over. You also notice you'll also notice that they they purposely announced this in conjunction with the announcement that Pat Sajak was going to leave as opposed to announcing Pat Sajak's retirement only to let everyone then speculate for the next year of who was going to take his seat. Yeah, no, they had a, they had a succession plan in place. Uh, so just, just if, in case you're keeping track, uh, Ryan Seacrest only available on American Idol, American Top 40, uh, the K- Kiss Morning Show, um, Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve, um, and and then uh yeah and then and then with uh, uh wheel of fortune what i miss did i miss anything i think you got it but, okay you that, got that's it. the yeah, only places you'll be able to find ryan seacrest oh yeah. man, uh, talk- man. Oh. i know yeah no more probably Why? is fluent in asl oh, you know he is too yeah 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 he is all right let's talk about what we've had our eyes on starting with you meryl what you've been watching i finally watched season one of the white lotus uh-huh. I have thoughts. Uh, um, the shows, the shows, really, I, the shows, really good. I could have done without the opening teaser that is supposed to be the hook of the show. I felt like it. It kind, if anything, it actually it made the the whole story a little less fun with that because of what that said. Knowing that there was an incoming murder made the show less fun. Did it? Because because because. Mm-hmm. Like it, because of what, how it how it resolved. I kind of honestly, I guessed it on episode two. Of like, I think it's this person, and I was right. Like because there were but only so. Would many you have guessed it if they didn't announce there was a murder <laughs> in the opening scene <laughs> of the show? Would you have gotten to episode two and thought, I bet there's a murder, and I bet this person does it. I got to be honest, I think that when that murder finally happens, <laughs> it would have been more exciting and what? interesting <laughs> had they not announced it ahead of time. Well, too bad that show didn't go anywhere and didn't have yeah, a very well. successful second I'm season. I'm also curious, like, when you guessed it, did you stay certain? That's that's the key to me. It's one thing to yeah. guess it and then be, like, doubting yeah. yourself, like, oh, maybe not, maybe. Or yeah. was it like, no, it's very because quite obviously no other- this one. From my perspective, there was no other character that justified murder. Like, mm. 
that he was. And so you, know, so you didn't enjoy it because it felt spoiled. No, I did enjoy it. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I enjoyed the show. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed oh. the show. I just wish that that opening teaser wasn't there. It it sets up the okay. I, we can't get into yeah, this. We can go into the I don't know what I'm reason sorry, you have to keep watching if you don't have the murder at the beginning. It's a very does boring show if it, you don't know that someone's going to die. That, that <laughs> leads you into that the first three episodes. A problem isn't like because I will agree. Episode one is very boring without that. I actually completely agree. It actually kicks up a lot in episode two, but uh-huh. yeah, and and it, I, I also this show is aided a lot by my binge watch. I went two episodes in one day and four episodes on the next day, but like it. I just I feel like if you had just made episode just added a little bit onto episode one, you wouldn't have needed that hook to keep going. The point is, it is a good show, but I, right. I digress. It was good, and Jennifer Coolidge totally deserved that Emmy. Yeah, I I feel like the genius of White Lotus is that they make you forget that the murder is important. Like it's towards towards the end, you start to remember, like, oh right, and there's the murder we still haven't solved because they they do such a good job of immersing you in, into those characters. Uh, Brian, what have you been watching? I have successfully gotten my 15 year old and my 19 year olds uh, all the way into the Righteous Gemstones. We started at uh, we restarted after they saw just a random episode in season three. We watched all of uh, season one. We're halfway through episode or season two. Uh, it's really remarkable how much fun the tropes are when you know they're being playful on purpose. Um, when you know that that uh, when you know that the first season is a heist movie, and you know that the second season is a whodunit, and as we'll talk about in uh, a, a spoiler in time, we now know what season three is about. Uh, it's it's just an exquisite show that excels on all levels, from production, from acting, from in-the-moment character bits, the, the writing, the framing, the cinematography, the respect to the world uh, that they're swimming in, the fact that there are characters who are irredeemable, but maybe redeemable, but no, they're irredeemable. Righteous Gemstones may be one of the greatest television shows of all time. That. That's saying something too, because it's a silly show, really. But yeah. it's it, it's good it's good to get that perspective. Um, I want to tell you that I finished Barry. So, how's that show? It's really, really good again. What from the episode? Uh, maybe Tricky Legacies. I think Tricky Legacies. Uh, which is 10, 9, 8, 7, episode 7. So I have to watch six more? No. I wouldn't. Okay. I'd just start watching episode <laughs> 7 of season 4. I, this is uh, uh, what we call the Babylon 5 problem, which is it really gets good around season 6. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, if If anything... I might say go to episode 6, just so you can get a little ramp up, uh, of where you're going. Uh, but uh, yeah, episode seven, eight, nine, ten doesn't doesn't do the things I was afraid it was going to do. Does a lot of things I had no idea to expect. Uh, makes a pretty crazy move feel uncrazy and normal in the storytelling. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I would just skip the first half of, of, of season four and, and go right into the second half. All right. 
Will you? If you if you were inclined you. at all. I mean, I, yeah. I, I would love to see how this show can get back onto any kind of sensible track that would appeal to me because it's such a strange, and for those who haven't heard us experience it, we loved this show at the beginning and we held on. We carried a torch for this show for so long and 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 ultimately we abandoned it because it deserved it. But you're saying it's back and that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was Real, it's gone uh, for a while and it comes back. I can't just say that I'm not saying we intentionally made this the HBO hour, but it kind of turned into the HBO. Like all of these are HBO shows. I just think that's right. Oh, White Lotus, uh, Righteous Gemstones, and, and Barry are all Max shows under the HBO brand. <laughs> so HBO. All right. You're welcome. Uh, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Uh, we, hey, we got a recommendation from Sean, who had some thoughts about a show that we've talked about a little bit before, Sean writes. Tom, Brian, and Bryce, hello. Brian commented on a cold open trailer for The Diplomat a while ago, and he was correct about the depiction of a very long-term relationship. You know, married couple smelling each other's armpits while they while they get changed and make breakfast and stuff. Uh, what is Ew. really shocking is Rufus Sewell's role as a narcissistic sociopath of a husband. How is it that Sewell is able to play a far more uh, sympathetic character in The Man in the high castle as a freaking Nazi than a conniving husband who causes all of the problems for his soon-to-be ex-wife and yet still threads the needle to still want him. Uh, unlike characters that are supposed to be despised, like the husband in Bad Sisters or everyone in Succession, I can despise Sewell's Howliler uh, and really enjoy the whole series. Uh, it's an impressive por- performance by both Sewell and Carrie Russell, your former boss who uh, uh, paid 75 cents for using now can't pay. Uh, support.patreon.com uh, Sean, did, Sean the dad. Thank you, Sean. I, uh, I, I really dig The Diplomat. I think it's great. I think it's really solid. I think if you were into something like the bodyguard or something that just feels like, oh, hey, this is this this is a little familiar, but maybe a little unfamiliar. Uh, I, I think really solid, and uh, they've already got a second season ordered. So uh, that's the Diplomat. It's on Netflix. Uh, anybody on the panel given the Diplomat a try yet? Not I, Tom. I have seen portions of it while Eileen was watching it, and I agree that Rufus Sewell is amazing at it, as is Carrie. Um, it, I, I, just the little snippets I saw were were captivating. So I, I give it the thumbs up. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's very soapy. It is very soapy. It's a little soapy. So if you, if you, if you like a little Shonda, there's a little Shonda in there. Uh, that's the Diplomat. It's streaming on Netflix. The second season in order. If, if you've got something we should be on the lookout for, please email it to us. That email address is cordkillers at gmail.com or check the show notes wherever you're enjoying this fine program. Thank you. Uh, Gambling Man points out there's only eight episodes of Barry, and I was counting backwards from the the from ten, so it's five, six, seven, and eight of Barry, not uh, not seven. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Gambling Man, for the correction. Uh, if you would like to email me directly with corrections, uh, it's one of my favorite things. You can sign up for my free newsletter, freetomnewsletter.com. Every week, I say something wrong. Uh, so that you can correct me. It's a service I provide to people. Uh, no, that's not what I do at all. Actually, I just talk about what's going on in the world. Uh, lots of secrets that I was talking about on my newsletter this past weekend. You want to know what's up with my secret things? Well, you got to go check it out. Also, a robot that could possibly kill my dog because my dog is so afraid of it. I'm worried about his heart. All of that is available in my newsletter, freetomnewsletter.com. You'll need a computer for it, though. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. Why not buy one over at doghousesystems.com slash roguespeller, right? R-O-G-U-E. You'll get some extra goodies and keep us in business because we are, are holding on to all of their computers. That's what runs everything. And we're just waiting for them to remember that they loaned them to us. And then they're going to take them all back and we'll shut down unless you buy one. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Paramount Plus continues the practice of removing shows from its streaming service in order to take a tax write down and then be able to remonetize them elsewhere, like on a fast service. Uh, so, Inside Amy Schumer, Tell Me a Story, and docuseries from Cradle to Stage, as well as Gislaine, Partner in Crime, uh, were all removed. Uh, no idea if they'll show up elsewhere at this point. What? What? A, so, what a curious move because that 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 would so subvert the the reputation of quality on the program, but I'm sorry, Meryl, I cut you off. I, 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 all right. Just to be clear, Tom, what you just said is very specific and no one ever talks about that second part, the remonetization. So to be clear, the way these, this all works is you take it off the service, but it doesn't mean it's dead. Everyone always acts like it's dead. It's not yeah, dead. Yeah. It can be remonetized, just not on that service ever again. Correct. Yeah, that's okay. the, and I'm not a tax accountant, but uh, yeah, as I understand it, that's right. To get the tax right down, they have to say, we made it for this, but we can't use it here anymore. So now we're going to write down the expense of that. And then it becomes an old thing that you could sell to somebody else because because of the way the rules work. And that's that's what happened with the Mac shows that they wrote down. They, they have licensed them out elsewhere. Meanwhile, okay. Netflix and HBO have reached a deal. All five seasons of HBO's Insecure will be available on Netflix. Deadline reports that Band of Brothers, The Pacific, Six Feet Under, and Ballers will all come to Netflix as well. True Blood will stream on the Netflix outside, or, or on the Netflix, on Netflix outside of the U.S. All of the other shows will stay available on Max. What did I say? What did I say? Strike training. That's what that was when they they called this that they were going to start selling their own stuff to other things to third party. The, they the, the streamers were selling stuff. They, they, they this was this was coming. They, but by the way, for the record, this was coming. But also, this is the sign of a healthy industry. We need like I find it weird. People got so worked up about this. Number one, HBO shows were on Amazon prior to HBO prior to HBO Now HBO Go. Like they were, they were on Amazon available, like all library shows. I watched The Wire on Amazon Prime. Like, so it's not like the first time this has happened, but two, this is the sign of a healthy industry. This is how it's supposed to work. We're, we're just going back to it finally. I like this news. I'm glad this happened. I in no way view this as a bad thing. I find it weird that people do. Yeah. I think Issa Rae likes it too, because now she gets more money. Because Insecure is staying on Max, so every time it gets streamed there, she gets royalties. And on Netflix, every time it's streamed there, she gets royalties. So I think that's it's probably good for everybody. Ampere Analysis ranks the most popular scripted TV series based on internet search volume. Uh, so it's not measuring viewing hours, it's measuring interest. But... 32 of the top 100 in 2022 were from the U.S. and 30 were from South Korea. So U.S. and South Korean TV shows getting the most search interest. Uh, Tom, was that a humble brag? No, I'm not Korean. 
nor do I make Korean television. I know, but it seems like you promote a lot of South Korean products that turn out to be very popular. Are you sure this isn't all you're doing? Yeah, Tom, come on. Follow the money, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's no money. All the money, Tom. Money. You are oh, this, this is so better. So much K-pop better. love. Yeah. No. It, this is uh, this is just showing that I I'm not as weird as maybe some people think. That maybe there's there's more than just me. Hard disc. That's all. <laughs> and to get people to watch the finale of Silo, Apple uploaded the entire first episode on Twitter. How many people do you think just just discovered it organically because of that? and then got hooked on Silo, and then signed up for Apple TV Plus, and then watched through to the end. I feel like it would more be, I keep hearing about Silo, fine, I see it's got the first episode, let me watch it, and then got hooked, and like, all right, fine, I need to watch the rest of this, it sounds really good. Yeah, I I, think if if there's one thing I suspect Apple will not be doing is sharing those specific internal numbers with (laughs) us. 57 million views on Twitter. Those are paid impressions, so for the impressions. All right. That's good to know. Uh, Apple's invasion is returning for season two, August 23rd. Uh, if you need another reason to get Apple TV, uh, that's the, the alien series, Apple's invasion coming August 23rd. Let's get to the dispatches from the front. We got so many people writing into cordkillers at gmail.com with uh, responses to the idea of having something like Just Watch or using Just Watch to figure out what to watch next. Mike said, IMDb starting to provide where to find shows. Uh, How long until Amazon just buys Just Watch and integrates it? Uh, Kurt said, I just discovered a Just Watch alternative I think I like better called Real Good, R-E-E-L-G-O-O-D. Uh, I used to use Real Good, and I switched to Just Watch, Kurt. So I don't know. Maybe I'll have to go try it. Maybe they got better since I left. Uh, we also got Richard, who said, I'm a little baffled by the conversation around Just Watch. Maybe it's the most comprehensive listing now, but I still only go to Just Watch if I can't find it through Apple TV uh, or other device platforms like Google TV and Roku TV. Plex offers a similar service, but I don't see any third party winning this until and unless all the platforms allow direct access to specific titles. Uh, And then uh, we got Levi, who uses a Chromecast with Google TV as the primary method of streaming content and said, while it isn't perfect, I can sit down in front of my TV, press the remote button for Google Assistant and say, show me movie ABC or show XYZ. And it usually shows me a landing screen for that show or movie. Um, yeah, I'm glad people were writing in with their own experiences on this. I was never trying to say you couldn't use the platforms for it, but generally what I hear is people saying, well, I use my platform for it, but then I keep running into things it doesn't have. And so just watches as Richard described as, as, uh, uh, Levi described a sort of like backstop for the lack of comprehensiveness on the platforms. And Nikki wrote us in uh, saying a, a, a very sensible program in which everybody has a profile and it asks you questions about, do you like blank or blank and all that stuff? Um, it, it was very specific and very sensible, but also sounded like it required effort. And I am personally torn. Uh, I, 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 Part of me would almost love an AI bot to just watch what I watch and watch the way I respond to what I watch and then hand me the best things that it knows that I'm going to watch. Another part of me feels like that's 
awfully brave new worldy. So if, 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 if which, which one is the better of the two cord killers at gmail.com, please write us. Uh, finally, Adam in San Diego wrote, Hey, cord killers. I learned about just watch from listening to this show. So thank you for that. I use it not just for looking up where to watch a show, but to find new content. Whenever I find myself with time to add another show or watch a movie and don't know what to pick, I open up the Just Watch app, click on the new or popular tab, and then use a filter to only show things with a certain IMDb rating range. I like to choose at least 7.0. That results in the new section are even sorted by streaming service. It even shows the IMDb rating right at the bottom of each show's thumbnail as you scroll. I also use the watch list feature to keep track of all the shows and movies that I want to get to. Eventually, this is easier to me than manually adding each show or movie to their streaming services watch list. This way, I have one-stop shopping for tracking everything I want to watch. The watch list has a tab for TVs versus movies and even has a check mark so I can check it off once I've watched it, which is great because I can always go back and filter things I've already seen when I want to recommend them to others. Um. May I throw my two cents into this whole conversation, if I may? Please do, yeah. Okay, so I find this all very fascinating because I can speak. I I've worked for some. I've worked for a few fast streaming companies now, and the battle of getting the you're getting everything to sync with all the platforms so that people when people search for a title that they pop up. It's it's a war. It's a, it's a genuine war that is fought on the first of every month. And, um, and I think that if we could get to a place where there was one central database, whether it's just watch or someone else that everything linked to, and all, I think the fast services in particular would be all over it. I think that if there could just, if everything could be condensed into one database and all the, all the various platforms linked to that one database and that's where you had that's where you had to point to to say so that's where you found out what what who had what i think everyone would be game for it i kind of think just watch is underplaying their value i think that they could have the value of becoming like going to roku going to amazon going to plus and saying let us be this database for you take here's our api we're the back end. You pay us at for access to the API. Let us simplify everything. And everyone just tells Just Watch, this is what we've got this month. Yeah. I, the thing that's keeping that from happening is the, the companies wanting to manage the relationship. Netflix doesn't want to let Apple see the information. Netflix doesn't want to let Just Watch see the information. So maybe the solution is a sort of like, we're not including anybody's customer info, just what is where. And then everybody can take that and use it as they will. Uh, I think think that that would be a good thing. I think this platforms are going to have to fix a bunch of other problems first before they have the motivation to go and cooperate on something like that, though. Sadly. Uh, well, that is it for us. Meryl Barr, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, if folks want to find more of what you do, what should they do? They should go to twitter.com slash Meryl Barr, M-E-R-R-I-L-L-B-A-R-R. That is where I'm always talking about the things, and there'll be updates on the things. You know which things when there's things to talk about. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. And we are live on twitch.tv slash Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going yes. on? 
I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons, all these wonderful names. I'm sorry, names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra they're, they're scratching our itch, like, because we're I think addicted. as long as it's consensual, like, we're fine. We're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>